You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Every writer that you meet will have that one script. That one script that is their heart and soul that they love so very much that has not been discovered yet. That's what this podcast is all about. We find those scripts, these unbelievably original gems, and we bring them to life with a table read of professional actors. Welcome to Undiscovered Scripts, Movies Made of Paper. Welcome to episode two of Out of Touch, presented by Undiscovered Scripts, Movies Made of Paper. nighttime at the cabin. The cabin's been badly burnt on one side, leaving the rooms that are still there completely exposed. Everything else is burnt to the ground. The only green that can be seen is at the tops of the trees. Everything in the yard that was not metal is gone. At night, Maya is asleep in the only remaining bed in the house. Somehow, it survived. It's covered in ash. The wind blows at her hair because the cabin is now exposed to the elements. It's daytime in the forest and Maya walks through what used to be her forest. The tree trunks are still standing, but they are black. Thunder rumbles in the distance and drops of rain fall on her face as she runs to the biggest and tallest of the trunks. Walter! Rain drops mixed with tears as she hugs her tree. Months have passed since the fire, and there are already small green shoots everywhere in this forest. Insect and animal sounds have returned, but it's still quiet. Maya has managed to enclose the space around the fireplace to form a shelter with half-burnt wood and blankets. She has dragged her bedding into the small cave-like room. It's not as insulated as a real building but it provides some shelter. Maya sits on her mattress and stares at the crackling fire. She hears something that catches her attention from outside. She slithers through the hole that doubles as a door and stands in the darkening yard. There, in front of her, are two chickens pecking in the earth as though this is a normal day. Crystal? Joey? How did you survive? They ignore her as usual. She smiles and looks at them. Connection. She sighs, feeling more alone than ever. It's now early summer, and the world is in full bloom. Five years have passed, and Maya is no longer a little girl. She's lean and tan with a hardness that does not belong on the face of a 14-year-old. She's hammering a makeshift chicken coop from wood she has gathered from the forest. Chickens mill about in the garden. What do you think? She looks at the chickens. Do you like it? I don't think any foxes can get in. I know you like the car, but there are just too many of you now. It's the middle of the summer, 
Maya crawls out of her shelter in the morning and walks over to the chicken coop and opens the door. The chickens and roosters file out along with a lot of yellow, fluffy chicks. Good morning, my lovelies. She reaches down and grabs a little chick and kisses it. <laughs> Welcome to the world, Daisy. She walks over to the mangled remains of the old Ford and opens the door. Out pops a rooster looking a bit miffed. Now, Roger, are you going to behave yourself today? If you don't, I will be forced to separate you from the others again. Do you understand? He looks at her and then runs off to join the others. Mm -hmm. She grins and disappears into the woods. <laughs> in the forest, Maya is hot and sweaty and swatting gnats that seem to be in full attack mode. She finally reaches her destination and hugs Walter. <sighs> I love you, Walter. She touches the tree where her parents once stood. I love you, Mama. I love you, Papa. She leans back on Walter and closes her eyes. Suddenly, her eyes fly open as she hears the distinct sound of a snapping twig. She creeps to her feet, making virtually no noise, and peeks behind the tree trunk in the direction of the sound. She hears another twig snapping, and she sees a shape moving in the bush that was about 20 feet away. It is too big to be a deer, too small to be a bear. She slips out from behind the tree trunk and sets off in the direction of the bush. She raises her bow and reaches for an arrow. More wrestling sounds come from the bush farther away. Again, an unfamiliar shape of something moving behind. Undeterred, she sets out again. When she nears the second bush, she freezes. She slowly and methodically creeps around the bush with her bow and arrow raised ready to strike. A small flock of birds fly up into the sky. She looks all around her and sees nothing else. Confused, she walks back to Walter, and as she comes upon him, her face lights up in delight. <laughs> Mushrooms! She drops to her knees and gathers them into her hands, stuffing a few directly into her mouth. She freezes. There's something else on the ground. A piece of paper. She pokes at it with a stick as if waiting for it to explode. When it doesn't, she reaches down and picks it up. Her eyes go wide as she attempts to read it. Me Nam is Ben. My, my name is Ben. Ben. <gasps> she looks around frantically trying to see who left the note. Nothing. That evening outside the burnt cabin, Maya walks through the yard holding a dead pheasant. The chickens are waiting to be let into their pen. There's a person. Ben. A person named Ben. No reaction from the chickens. She opens the door to the coop and the chickens rush in. There's another person. <sighs> it's early morning, fall, and it's getting cold fast. Maya's putting on one of her mother's jackets that has survived the fire. Her dolls sit in their usual spots on the bed. She walks over to Alice and smooths her hair down. There, that's better. Suddenly, Alice comes to life. Oh, well, thank you, darling. I was feeling a bit unpresentable. You look very pretty today, Alice. Ken comes to life. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She looks like butt. Hush your mouth, Ken. That doesn't even make any sense. No one can look like butt. Okay, uh, I am going out for one last hunt. Are you going to leave a note for the boy? <laughs> you should leave a note. See, even Ken thinks you should leave a note, and he's a Neanderthal. Thank you. Maya looks at the dolls, unsure what to do. Maya, there's a person out there.
It's day and Maya's in the forest. She takes out the paper with a note on it. She picks up a twig. She spits on the twig and mixes it with dirt from the ground. She turns over the piece of paper and scribbles the word Maya in six-year-old handwriting in dirt and spit. In the forest, in the early morning, Maya runs up to a clearing near the creek. There's a deer lying on the ground with an arrow through its temple. It's not dead, but convulsing violently. Maya looks around and finds a large rock. She hits the deer hard on the head a few times until it stops moving. She's covered in the deer's blood and panting from the effort. She looks at the pitiful dead animal, and sadness fills her eyes. I'm sorry. Maya lugs the dead deer through the forest. She's covered in blood. She puts the carcass down and goes to the spot where she left the note. It's been replaced by a new note from Ben, along with a jar half filled with honey and a pen and extra paper. Once again, Maya looks around expecting to see a person, but there's no one there. I am alone. I'm alone. Um... I'm me parents I am alone. My parents died. Maya sits down and draws the scene we saw in the beginning of the film of a little girl standing in front of the door to a cabin and two huddled figures walking away from her. She folds up the drawing and leaves it under Walter. I am alone, too. It's early winter, and snow's falling gently to the ground. Maya secures the dried deer hide to the chicken coop's outside wall. She looks up to the bare trees. At night in the burnt cabin, Maya's sleeping. Even with the fire going, you can see her soft breath in the air. She wakes up and moans. She peels back her blanket. Her pajamas and sheets are covered in blood. She panics. Mommy! She takes off her pajama pants and looks for a cut. She can't find one. She slowly calms down when a memory surfaces in her mind. There's so much I have to tell you, and so little time to tell you it. In a flashback, we see Nia, weak and pale, leaning against Walter. Eight-year-old Maya dangles from a branch above her. You can jar pears and peaches, and even chicken, and also... Nia stares down at the ground. What's wrong, Mommy? Nothing, honey. Now, one day, in a few years, you're going to become a woman. We're back with Maya in the burnt cabin, and she removes her pajama bottoms, balls them up, and places them in between her legs. She dips a rag in a bucket of water and tries to spot clean the blood. It's no use. Back to the flashback. Yes, all girls have to. You may have pain, not too bad. It only lasts for a few days, but you might be a little sad or angry right before you start to bleed. She points to a drawing that she has made with a stick in the dirt. It's the female anatomy. This is what you look like inside. We're back with Maya in the burnt cabin at night, and Maya is shivering. She gives up on cleaning and lies down in the bed as far away from the bloodstain as she can manage. Again in the flashback. So, babies take nine months 
Just like the disease? Yes, but instead of killing people, this gives them life. Uh, I won't have babies, will I? I don't know. That, you need a boy. I do not want a baby coming out of my vagina. You don't have to, but you will bleed every month whether you like it or not. It's night still and Maya lies in bed, unable to go back to sleep. Ken and Alice try to comfort her. Are you okay? Why are you sad? Why is she sad? She's fine. She's growing up. Mm, I don't understand. Because you're a man, dummy. A little girl has become a woman. I want my mommy. <laughs> she bursts into tears. This is hard. It's morning time in the cabin. Two years have passed. At 16, Maya's looking more and more like a woman. She's still dirty and thin. Her hair has been cut by a dull knife and it's greasy and uneven. It's summer again and the world is in greens and yellows. Maya sits on her bed with Ken and Alice having breakfast. So, I'll sleep in the forest for two nights. I need to go where the deer are. I think they've learned to stay away from here. I insist on going with you. You haven't slept in the forest alone before. What if something happens to you? She won't be alone. I'll protect her. You can't protect us, stupid. I'm not stupid. You're stupid. I'll take care of myself, but... Ken, you can come with me if you like. Yes! We're going on an adventure! It's day in the forest. Maya walks up to Walter with a heavy backpack and Ken tucked into her belt. She retrieves a note from the usual spot and replaces it with two potatoes and one carrot. She walks deeper into the green forest. She stops and takes out a notebook. The notebook is half burnt and there is a very crude map drawn on it. We're lost, aren't we? No. This is just where we will sleep tonight. We haven't found even one deer. She throws her backpack to the ground. <sighs> Tomorrow. It's nighttime in the forest. The fire is blazing and Maya is reading the note from Ben. A nanny's someone who takes care of children when their parents can't. My nanny picked me up from school that day and drove me home. In a flashback, in a mansion in the city, we see a young woman opening the car door that's parked in an expansive, circular driveway in front of a palatial mansion. A ten-year-old, red-headed boy, Ben, steps out. The nanny bends down and hugs him. We have to say goodbye, my friend. Why? You're going to your vacation home with your parents, and I'm going back to my family in Ohio. Why are you crying? Because I don't know when I'll see you again, and I'll miss you a lot. I'll see you tomorrow. You're taking me to karate. No, baby. No more karate. I love you, Ben. Always remember that. Now go inside. Your parents are waiting. We left the city the next day. In a luxury cabin in the woods one late afternoon, a silver luxury SUV filled to the absolute brim with canned goods and supplies pulls up to the sleek cabin. Ben and his parents, Amir and Lena, both in their 40s, step out. I guess she didn't make it. Who, Daddy? Grandma. She was supposed to meet us here. Is she okay? Nah, I'm sure she's fine. Let me try to call her. He takes out his cell phone. No service. He looks at Lena. Try yours. She takes out her cell phone and looks at it. She looks back at him and shakes her head. They all walk inside the house. 
That night, Maya wakes up shivering. The fire is dead. She tightens into the smallest ball she can manage. She listens to the sounds of the night. Frogs, insects, birds all communicating. It's day and Maya's walking along the stream. The water rushes faster, flowing into a big pool of water. She follows the pool around a bend. She's standing on top of a mountain. To her right, the water cascades downward into a magnificent waterfall. Steam rises up from the pool below, and rainbows dance in the spray. Ken, have you ever seen anything so beautiful? Wow! Wowie! Wow! Wow! Maya looks all around. <sighs> no dear. At dusk, Maya puts wood on a pile near the fire. She hears the howling of a wolf pack in the distance. She's terrified. They're far away. Still, I should keep watch tonight. You can go to sleep. No, it, it, it's my turn. I insist. How about if we both guard? Uh, we'll stay up all night. Okay, but I am the commanding officer in charge. Deal. You're in charge, Ken. Maya's fast asleep. Her Ken doll is in her hand. The fire's burning hot. Suddenly, she's jerked out of slumber by a strange sound. Loud growling coming from all directions. She bolts upright and looks around. There are glowing eyes staring at her from the tree line. A hot feeling of panic spreads quickly over her limbs. Without taking her eyes off the tree line, she takes a burning branch out of the fire. She makes herself as big and loud as a 16-year-old can. She waves the burning tree branch back and forth. She screams and growls like a banshee. The growling stops and the glowing eyes disappear into the blackness of the forest. Maya clutches Ken. She rocks herself back and forth. It's okay. Just breathe. Breathe. It's day, and Maya walks through the forest consulting her notebook. She's trying to find her way back to Walter, but is having some difficulty. She's filthy and exhausted. She looks up at the canopy as she walks. Walter should be right... She catches sight of Walter's leaves and branches. <gasps> there! Walter is 30 feet in front of her in all its arboreal glory. Maya's eyes come down and standing below its magnificent branches is an 18-year-old red-headed boy holding a puppy in his arms. This is Ben, and like her, he's dirty and very scruffy-looking. He stares at her. She stares back. Terror grips Maya, and she races away. She's running so fast that she goes flying over a boulder and lands hard on her knee. <coughs> Later on, Maya, limping, exhausted, and freaked out, opens the chicken coop, and the chickens rush out without giving her a second glance. She limps over to the bucket of water and attempts to clean her bleeding knee, wincing in pain. <coughs> The next day, Maya's spying on Walter from behind a bush. When she's sure no one's there, she goes to the drop-off spot and retrieves a letter. She opens it. Maya, please don't be scared. I, I will be here when the sun is high in the sky tomorrow. You don't have to get close to me. I hope you come. At night, Maya tosses and turns in her bed, agitated. I can't sleep. Silence. Guys? She looks over at Ken and Alice, who are lying on the pillow. How can you sleep? 
In the afternoon, Maya's spying on Walter again from behind a bush. Ben sits at the base of the tree, petting his dog and humming to himself, waiting. She is captivated. A few hours later, Ben looks at the sky and gets up to leave. Alarmed, Maya steps from behind her bush and clears her throat. <coughs> She's about 25 feet away from him. Ben takes a step towards her and she backs up, shaking her head. Okay, I won't come any closer, Maya. Tears spring to her eyes at the mention of her name. She hasn't heard it said by anyone since she was eight. She quickly recovers. Not the time to get emotional. Ben? He starts laughing. <laughs> equally emotional. Yes. No one, no one has called me that for years. No, no, no one has called me anything for years. The puppy, a wolf, bounds out of his arms and runs to Maya, kissing her. That's, that's Joy. She smiles and hugs the dog. <laughs> Joy. A few weeks later, Maya has lit a fire and is roasting two freshly caught fish on a makeshift spigot as Joy rushes up to her, jumping in her lap and covering her face with kisses. Joy, come, get off of her. Maya turns. Ben is standing 30 feet away. <laughs> it's okay. Well, now what'd you make? Fish? She nods. He holds up a bowl filled with huckleberries. This will go with it. In the afternoon, Joy sleeps in Maya's lap. Both Ben and Maya's faces are stained with huckleberry juice. I loved my nanny. She was the only one I really spent time with. Until we came to the forest. My tenth birthday was the first birthday without her, and I was really angry about that. In a flashback, we see Ben sitting in front of a chocolate cake crying. The candles are half-melted. Lena and Amir are distraught. I told you, I won't blow out my candles without Nanny! Darling, she's not coming. I don't think she made it out of the city before the quarantine. W why do you know? What do you mean? I mean, why do you know about me? Now all of a sudden you care? Because there's no work for you to do? All you care about is work! Honey, that's not fair. We love you. We know you. Really? What's, what's my favorite baseball team? Silence. What's my favorite video game? Silence. What's my favorite color? Blue. <laughs> it hasn't been blue in three years. He buries his head in his arms. The candles continue to melt. I didn't realize that the little time I had with them was a gift. We're still in the flashback, and six months have passed. Now Amir's sporting a grown-out beard and much longer hair. Ben's hair has grown as well. Amir's chasing Ben to a clearing filled with solar panels. It looks like a small solar farm. He catches Ben and tickles him mercilessly. Ben laughs and squeals and then pounces on his father and tickles him. Amir rides on the ground. Make it stop. Never! Amir grabs Ben and pins him down so he can blow bubbles into his son's stomach. They both laugh hysterically until they catch their breath. They calm down and Amir sits up. You have to keep the solar panels clean. Even when there's snow, you have to clean them off so they can generate power. If we get a big storm, we may not have power for a few days, and you know what that means. What? No video games. No! <laughs> they both laugh. <laughs> We're back to the forest with Maya and Ben. <laughs> At least you had some time with them. Can Joy sleep with me tonight? What about the chickens? Be okay. Oh, I, uh, I brought you these. Maya takes out eggs and places them on the ground. Ben's face lights up. Uh, I'll, I'll leave them here. 
At night, it's pandemonium. Joy's chasing the chickens and Maya's chasing Joy. Joy, Joy, come here. No, no, bad girl. Maya finally catches her. (sighs) Okay, we're going to have to work on this. It's daytime and Maya and Ben lay on the rocks 20 feet away from each other. They're clean and wet, having just taken a swim in the water. Joy chews on a fish head. You told me your parents died from the disease, but did they go away like mine? No. My mom got sick first and then my dad. They were locked in their room for a long time. Months. Then one day, I was outside playing. In a flashback, we see Ben standing on the lookout point of a very impressive fort. From it, you can see the house and the forest. He's looking out to the forest through binoculars. General McFeely, are you there? I think the enemy's advancing from the east, over. A loud, dragging noise makes him spin around. Amir drags something big wrapped in a sheet out to the yard. He's visibly very sick and looks terrible. Amir reaches a big oak tree in the back of the yard. He picks up a fallen branch and uses it to dig a shallow hole. He puts the body in the hole and goes inside the house again. Amir slowly drags all of the bedding out to the hole. He loads as many dried leaves as he can into the pit, pulls out matches from his pocket, and lights the pile on fire. He collapses, exhausted. Ben creeps up to Amir and puts a blanket on his shivering, fever-ridden sleeping form. Not as scared as I'd be that night. Still in the flashback, At night, Ben wakes up, and it's dark. The flames are still burning in the pit, but they are small now. There's nothing left of his mother but the charred bones of her skeleton. He's groggy and disoriented. Tears come back when he remembers why he's there. Mid-sob, he freezes. There, standing 20 feet away from the fire, is a very large, grisly bear. The bear stares right into Ben's eyes. Run. Run. He's paralyzed with terror. He can't move. The bear lowers its massive head and growls. Run! Ben whips around to see Amir staring at him intently. I'm dead anyway. The bear takes a few steps forward, looking from Ben to Amir. It's the smell. He wants a meal. Run! The bear growls loudly and stands on its hind legs. It turns its massive form in Amir's direction. This breaks Ben's paralysis. He runs into the cabin and slams the door behind him, not looking back to see what's happening. We're back with Maya and Ben near the river. I'm so sorry. I didn't go out of the house for three months after that. I found our tree that summer. His name is Walter. I found Walter, and then I found you. They smile at each other. Thank you for listening to episode two. Please check out episode three on our podcast. For more information about this script, along with details of the cast and crew, please visit our website at moviesmadeofpaper.com. New script, new story. First Sunday of every month. Get it for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.